Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes. Just a quick note before we get started that this episode is part of our Blast from the Past series where we spotlight one of the amazing members of the LA Tech ecosystem from our archive. And if you're a new listener or you're just looking for more great LA Tech content, dig into the back catalog. There are literally hundreds of conversations to choose from. Enjoy the episode. We had millions and millions of people's you know, kids' artwork stored. Do we just shut this thing down and people are going to lose all of their <gasps> stuff? So Jeff and I sort of looked at each other like, we don't think that we can just shut this thing down. It's not that easy. There's sort of like a moral yeah. responsibility to figure out how to keep this thing going. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised L.A., and I created We Are L.A. Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent, to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of this show. Enjoy. Today's We Are LA Tech shout out goes to Dave Whelan. Dave, thank you so much for supporting and cheering on the We Are LA Tech community and podcast. Be sure to say hello to Dave on social on LinkedIn, D-A-V-E, last name W-H-E-L-A-N. He is just so cool building Rebel Labs. Rebel Labs is a leading science-based revolution in wellness arena encompassing mind, body, and spirit. They are teaching us how to build a healthy life and providing building blocks of knowledge from food to fitness. And oh my God, are they amazing. Tell me you found them via We Are LA Tech. Join thousands of people in LA Tech on our We Are LA Tech Facebook group where you can discover events, job opportunities, and even housing. Go to wearelatech.com slash community. We'll take you straight there. That's wearelatech.com slash community. Hello, hello, hello. A little hello from me on this Sunday as I'm preparing for my Women in Tech podcast tour through Kazakhstan, Belgrade, Lithuania, Ukraine, possibly Uzbekistan, then flying over to Toronto, Canada to celebrate Women in Tech with Red Bull. I'm so excited to meet with Baltic Sandbox in Lithuania and with Seed Stars in Kazakhstan to bring this community together. Sometimes we feel so alone. Actually, I think like all the times we feel so alone in our tech worlds and startup life. And when I travel and I get to meet these companies and entrepreneurs and tech professionals around the world, I'm reminded again and again just how not alone we are, how we share the same mentality all around the world. And I think the block is that it's scary to be vulnerable and open up that we are all having the same struggles. I'll share a little something. I'm going to be purposely be vague um, in order to protect identities. But I was somewhere a week ago having a, a tough day 
I connected with another woman in tech that I know well. And I was kind of on my breakdown point, and I knew them well enough that we snuck into a bathroom, and I just cried before I was doing what I was about to do. And she shared with me that she was also having a hard time, and we had this really meaningful time in the bathroom, you know, being girls together and and just kind of like crying on one another's shoulder. But we both have such powerful uh, um I don't know what the right word is, appearances or, or or positions or however you want to put it, that it seems like nothing can phase us. It seems like we're always hauled together, but yet in this bathroom we were both breaking down and totally being open and raw. And I think that that's what we as a community need to do with one another more is like let one another in. In this world where we have to seem so perfect all the time in order to get ahead, none of us are perfect. Not even your most iconic Celebrity is perfect. We're all having our own struggles and triumphs and weaknesses. Um, And the hardest part is feeling like we're going through this life journey alone, I think. I think that that's really hard. So to know that we have one another's back, that we can open up and that we could just literally be human, even when we have to like rally it up and put our game face on so that we could win the moment that we showed up for, those moments happening leading up to that moment that are hard to bear, if in those moments we could be vulnerable and lean on one another and know that we're safe, somehow create that like network, that environment like I was able to do with the girl that I'd known for a while and, and we snuck into the bathroom together to, to cry on one another's shoulder. That's, that's the real stuff, you know? The stuff in magazines, and on stage and even this podcast and, you know, the game face moments. That's, that's what we show up for, but that's not the real stuff. That's not, that's not the journey. That's, that's the momentary destination which keeps evolving and transforming into whatever the new destination is because we never quite do arrive somewhere, do we? It's all just one big journey. Whether it's dating someone, building a company, developing a marriage, having kids, surviving illness, whatever our journey may be, it's all a journey. And we're all always trying to get to this destination, this end game. But I think the sooner that we all realize that there is no end game, that's the stuff, you know? That means we have to find the most triumph in every little moment that leads up to every new destination. Anyway, I hope you're having a great day no matter where you are and enjoy the next episode. Bye. Welcome back to the We Are LA Tech podcast, celebrating LA Tech companies and talent. Yes, quickly immersing you into the LA Tech community. So excited to have Jed here. He has an amazing story with his company, Archive. Hello, Jed. Hey, Esprit. What's happening? Okay, So, so happy Jed. to be here. Oh, my God. So happy you're here. And you are breaking in the new studio space. So thank you for being I, patient. I appreciate it. <laughs> this is amazing. The space is incredible, thank honestly. You. Look around. I appreciate look, it. Look how lucky you are. No, I feel very like these musical instruments are really cool. But what's more important is about artwork and kids' artwork. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so... Uh, Seven years ago, I came home and my wife was taking pictures of our kids' artwork. They were three and six at the time. And I looked at what she was doing and was curious. She said, I'm going to make photo books of the kids' art. I'm tired of all the clutter. And I 
looked at the process, right? She was taking yeah. pictures with her camera. Yeah. And she was going to turn, you know, the pictures from her camera had to get to a computer, from a computer to a website to make a book. They're going to be out of order. She's not going to remember who did what. And right. I thought, like, concept, A+. plus Execution, kind of D-. minus. Right, right, right. Right? There had to be an easier way. Right. And so I went looking for it that night. And when I didn't find it, I thought, this is a problem that literally every parent in the world can relate to. If no one else has solved it, I'm going to solve it. This is probably something like you would go to one of those services that could print out your photos, right? And they turn your photos into a book. And then, so there wasn't even something I imagined for kids art specifically. It was just utilizing a normal photo service. That's correct. This was, this was a niche, right? And so it was really more a question of like, hey, parents are busy. And I knew, uh, you know, this was like good effort, yeah, yeah, but you're yeah. never going to have time to actually do all this work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's got to be a super easy way. We all are walking around with cameras in our pockets, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. why don't we put this in people's hands and give them a very simple way to take pictures, keep it all chronologically stored and turn it into a book at the end of the year. And if I remember correctly, your journey started in 2012 with this. That's correct. So literally that night I go upstairs and I look for an app to solve this problem. I don't find it. I wake up the next morning and I wireframe the entire day what will become Archive 1.0. Um, start calling friends that night, friends and family, to see if I can raise a little bit of friends and family money. Three days later, I incorporate. So within literally the first two weeks, I had wireframed, raised $50,000, and uh, incorporated and hired a designer to turn my wireframes into an app. I have so many questions. And I know that's only 1.0. And so I think what I'm going to do, because I have so many questions, I, I want to share with everybody where you've ended up now, which is like 2.0 or 3.0 or 5.0. Yeah. But before I do that, um, when you went from wanting to like wireframing and everything, that tells me you had a background in that before? Or did you just know how to wireframe like as a hobby? Or what were you doing before the aha moment? Yeah. So... Previous to Archive, I had started a gaming company building games for training for corporations and the government. So we had that for about three years and ended up selling it. It looked a lot more like a an, a work-for-hire agency than a SaaS business, which right. is what I had originally intended. Um, so yeah, I had some experience sort of producing interactive experiences, um, had done it with games, had produced some kids' virtual worlds back in the day. Um, and so I sort of knew enough to be dangerous right. and to to put something together to figure out like, is there a really simple logical flow that creates an experience that allows a mom who's a primary customer who's taking pictures of our other kids artwork to open the app, take a photo, have it, you know, tagged with the kid's name, grade, date, and stored. And I know you've evolved because we've had a chance to talk before airing. I know you've evolved into what it is now. We'll talk about that. But then I'd actually love to jump back to that day one because I think it would help so many people to hear, don't answer any of this yet, how you found your designer, how you asked for the seed money, like all these things. But let's go to where you are today because it's so exciting. So you started this moment of wanting to to solve a problem and now you know a few we're solving years later, it a different way yeah right? okay so where are we today and then we'll go backward yeah so my original thought was let people diy right so super easy i figured 90 percent of the people who would take pictures of their kids artwork at the end of the year would hit the print button and buy a book right it turned out i was a hundred percent wrong it was the exact opposite most people just wanted to know that their stuff was safely stored and so we had this business that had a lot of users, but no revenue. 
So what we had to do was figure out like where's the revenue, right? If we're gonna keep this thing up and running, right? Where's the money? Right, ultimately. right, right. And so we. Look- You're very unique in that way. Most uh, American startup <laughs> companies. <laughs> We're like, well, it will somehow come to us via the clouds. No, I was very, very (laughs) conscious of the fact that like we needed a real actual business and we needed to actually create revenue. I don't think I could do this Um, interview anymore. It's too foreign to me. (laughs) Just kidding. Well, it's funny because when we first uh, when we first were launching the book concept because it started off literally just save your stuff right yeah. we first launched was save your stuff and save your stuff means take digital take pictures save. of your kids artwork digitally, digitally. Yeah, correct yeah. yes and i remember sitting down um as we started to look for some some money some seed money and i was sitting with a with an investor and i mentioned the fact that we were about to launch the books and a bunch of other products that you could turn your kids art into and um and she looked at me and she said well okay as long as that's not a distraction and I said, what do you mean is not, not a distraction? She said, well, don't get distracted by the revenue. And I was like, it's okay to make just keep making no money like and with no clear path to making money. Right. Yes. You're giving me a look yeah. like I'm out of my mind. Yeah. So, yeah. right. <laughs> I'm, glad you, I'm glad you said it for everybody listening. So, um, But it's so normal. I, I've I don't heard, know. I've heard, I've heard so many times VCs were like, oh, wait, you make money. It's not going to work yeah, for us. So maybe that actually makes me a bad entrepreneur because I felt I needed to make money. Yeah. And so I'm, I I'm never going to have the unicorn company. Um, I mean, people ask me all the time, like, what the difference is between um, American uh, tech companies and European tech companies. It's actually that European entrepreneurs focus on revenue they're like how do we make this a smart company where american entrepreneurs focus on fundraising and like how do we create uh, essentially create and then fundraise whereas um european entrepreneurs it's like how do we make the metrics work so we could be self-sustaining and that's a whole other conversation but i'm yeah. very excited so, so okay yeah. so fast forward yeah. so ultimately we looked at our user base and we saw there were a huge number of people who had Downloaded the app, yeah. created accounts, yeah. and never uploaded any pictures. Right, and so we thought, okay, these people intended to solve this problem they were having yeah. of what to do with all their kids' artwork. Yeah, but our app wasn't doing it for them. Right, right. So how do we how do we help those people? Right. What if we do all the work for them? Yeah. And so we started the archive concierge service, which right. ultimately became what it is now, which is the archive box. Right. So we ship you a box. You put your kids' art inside. Send it back using the prepaid mailing label. We professionally photograph all of your artwork. Edit each piece, design a book proof for your review. You simply go on, take a look at it, make sure you're happy, yeah. hit the print button, and then we print and ship you a hardcover keepsake book or a custom frame mosaic print. And how did that go when you first kicked it off? So early early indication was uh, people were interested in the service and yeah. that they sort of liked the idea of having someone to do it for them. Yeah. When we productized that concierge service into the archive box, we started to sell a really nice number of boxes. And uh, and then we created a video, sort of a very simple explainer video about our service, and put it up on uh, on social media. And uh, I would say got got very lucky. Um, the video got you know more than ten million views, and uh, literally turned our business around overnight. And so um, you know today we've got a we've got a, a thriving business. So let let's start there. So if I so before before again before we started rolling, you shared that you were in a smaller office with how big was your team like when you first started to see some traction? Yeah, so uh so we went from, you know, we were in 500 square feet with about 6 of us um 
And today we're in 10,000 plus with more than 100 people. I mean, it's insane. It is insane. It's, it's been a wild year. Let's it talk. All, it, it all happened in a year. I mean, that's insane. Let's talk about the pivotal moments. I, I do want to get back to day one. So before we go there, let's talk about that video. When you were creating the video, what were your expectations of the video? Was it created quickly? Did you put a lot of production behind it? And then how did you intend to market the video? What did you think the video would do for your company? Because to create a 10, you know, uh, a video viewed by over 10 million people that completely changed the trajectory of your, your company's Something that I think everybody would love to mimic. <laughs> yeah. Listen, we didn't set out to do that, of course, right? You can't, you can't expect that that's going to happen. Um, we, and I, I say we, my partner, Jeff and I, who actually turns out is also my cousin. Um, and You he, didn't know that till 23andMe? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> um, so we sat down and said, you know what? we've never really spent meaningful marketing dollars, right? We've always sort of relied on word of mouth and referring friends. And we'd tested some Facebook advertising. And uh, we really felt like we need to give this a shot to succeed, like a yeah. true shot. Yeah. And we need to explain our product in a way that is easy to understand. And so let's just create a, a simple teaser video, essentially an explainer video, you know, and, and see what happens. So um, we didn't put a ton of, of production value into it. It was, I think it was good, not great, but it, it really checked the box on, on showcasing the problem that we were yeah. solving and the solution in a, in a simple way and put it up on Facebook. And next thing you know, and you know, sure. We started spending against it. Um, ad money spending Facebook ads, Facebook, yeah. Instagram ads. Um, one, one question I have is like, why did you choose Facebook and not YouTube? It was the targeting ability of Facebook, really. So we, you know, our we know exactly who our customer is, and it was a an easy way for us to go and and spend, you know, in the grand scheme of things, what's not a crazy amount of money, in a very targeted, effective way. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was like, hey, if we're going to go spend some number of tens of thousands of dollars on on media yeah. and see if we can drive sales at a reasonable cost per acquisition, then you know, this is an effective place to do it. Let's just see what happens. And of course, you know, 50,000 shares later, it just, we weren't, you know, you, of course, you, you cross your fingers and you hope that will happen. Yeah. But now I know a, a, just a very little bit about um, online advertising. Did you have any background in online advertising in order to know what kind of returns you wanted or what to look for? Or did you fully trust in hiring like uh, an outside firm or consultant to be able to do this for you? How actively were uh, involved were you in the process? Because it seems like at the time you took a big risk. Yeah. So how did you safeguard yourself as an intent of the question? So here's what I would say. I knew enough to know that I didn't know what I was doing because mm -hmm. I had tried it in the past myself and had figured, oh, this is easy. I can, you know, the, right. the, the tools are in place. You can set up campaigns. And I had never been able to do it effectively okay. right, at scale. Okay. And so, yeah, like we would get some sales, but I couldn't figure out how to really take it to that next level. Got it. Um, and so decided to go find experts, right? Hire an yeah. agency, which is all they do. And yeah. they're you know, spending millions and millions of dollars a month on Facebook. Right. Let's let these guys give it their best shot. Because then at least if it didn't work, I could say I tried. Right. Right. Like we did what we needed to do to give ourselves a shot. Right. All, right. all you can ask for as an entrepreneur is to like 
get up to bat, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And like get a shot at it. And so that's what we were looking for was let's see if we can make it work. And if we can't, then that's fine too. It's great learning and we know that this isn't a viable channel for us. Um, it's just uh, your story is so cool. Let's go back to day one. Yeah. Just be, uh, my intent with, with the podcast is always to bring the most value to um, – all, all the companies, no matter what stage that they're in. And I just find it so interesting that you completely identify this pain point and you felt so confident in it that you went out and you were incredibly proactive in putting together this like mini team um, from fu- uh, funders to creatives. So how did you do that? What were some of the steps um, for those listening that found their pain point and they're like, okay, now what? Yeah, I had always had tons of ideas for apps and never done a single thing with it, right? And I was right. one of those entrepreneurs who was like, oh, I had that idea. Oh, I had that idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I kept watching like ideas I had pass by me. Right. And I thought the next time I have one of these ideas that I actually think is viable, yeah. I'm just going to do it, right. right? And so much of so much of being a successful entrepreneur, and I, I don't even know how I would call myself that yet. I, yeah, hope, yeah. I hope someday I can look back and, and define myself that yeah. way. But it's just is just giving yourself a shot, as I said, right? Getting up to bat and, yeah. and doing it, yeah. right? And it's hard. Yeah. If this stuff were easy, everybody would be doing totally. it. And it's really, really hard. It's really hard. Um, and it's hard to stick with it. So um, what I found was like, okay, I'm just going to – I didn't have a job at the time. I had yeah. sold my previous company. I had a little bit of runway to yeah. sort of figure out what I wanted to do. And I thought the app space was really intriguing. And when this thing sort of hit me in the face – because I like literally walked into it that night, right. watching it happen with my wife. <clears throat> I um, I thought I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do it. Yeah. I'm just gonna figure it out. And so uh, I emailed also like a handful of mom friends of, of ours and said, "Hey, like if this thing existed, would you use it?" Um, yeah. And obviously, the response I got back was, you know, the "Oh my god, you have to do this." Do you happen to remember how many moms you messaged? Yeah, probably about a dozen. Okay. Um, just to sort of like... A, it's just so classic. This is all the basic entrepreneur stuff. Find out the customer, like find out if you have potentially... I mean, it's, uh, sorry, I'm just yeah, very yeah, excited no. by like, it really is, it's hard to grow a company, but it really is that simple to take action. Stick around. We'll be right back after the break. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created getpodcastlisteners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out getpodcastlisteners.com. That's getpodcastlisteners.com. It's hard to grow a company, but it really is that simple to take action. It is. You just have to actually just do it. Yeah. Right? So, right, I emailed my friends. I emailed some, you know, other folks about raising a little bit of capital to, to actually pull this thing off. What's that message look like? Uh, hey, I have an idea. This is what I, this is a problem I think everyone every parent faces, here's how I can solve it. I can build an app and get it into the app store for, you know, I think about this much money. Yeah. Are you interested in throwing in five or 10 grand? And I got, you know, five to seven people together. And what, and what do you give them in return at that stage? At that point, we just did a convertible note. 
And how do you even know how to do the convertible note? Because of your past company, you had experience? Uh asking around right literally i mean yes or i didn't raise money for my last company but sort of knew enough and and spoke to a lawyer and said they said if you're raising 50 grand just do it this way it'll be super fast legal fees are fairly low let's just get this thing up and running and see if you have something and so i took my wireframes and i hired a designer we started bouncing ideas back and forth where'd you find the designer refer a referral from a friend i love it i mean essentially you're saying something so applicable. Everybody listening right now, no matter what they're doing, all they have to do is ask. It's like, uh, it's like, okay, I know I want to raise money from my network. Uh, I don't know how to message them and I don't know how to do that legally. Let me like find an attorney. Let me, you know, it's just like, who do I know? Like, it's just, it's yeah, like a treasure hunt. Looking back, it actually it really wasn't that hard, right? right? So if you think about it, it does seem daunting in the moment, right? But now looking back, yeah, it was it was an hour conversation with a lawyer and it was an email and some phone calls to friends and it was sitting at my computer doing some wireframes and interviewing two or three designers and picking one that I sort of clicked with because I had no idea, yeah. right? Like, show me your portfolio, but basically like, are you capable of doing what I'm talking about? Totally. If, if so, great. Go ahead, start working. And so all the pieces came together fairly easily. What I didn't realize at the time was getting the app designed and built and into the app store actually wasn't an accomplishment. It was just like getting me to the starting line. Mm -hmm. Like I thought that that was like, oh, I'll get into the app store and then I'm done. Mm -hmm. And at the time that proved to be like unbelievably wrong, right? So right. this app that I created for, you know, under 30 grand to get into the app store ended up costing, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in the ensuing, you know, couple because of years. Because you had to tweak the features uh, to match the market, like what ended up costing more? Yeah, ex that's exactly right. So as soon as you have, so we launched uh, and literally five days later, we're on the Today Show. And, and, and how did you get that opportunity? They just saw you on the app store? We so the day we launched, we got featured by Daily Candy. If you remember Daily Candy, I which do. And how did they find you? I had reached out through again, sort of had talked to some folks in my network and said, "Does anybody know anybody over at Daily Candy?" Found somebody being proactive and yes. uh, had a conversation. Said, "This is what I'm doing," and they asked if they could have the the exclusive story on the launch. I of course said yes, and uh, amazing. And so yeah, I said, "Great, we'll put it up in the App Store, and you guys shared and." So literally, you know, that we were off to the races. So we hit our sort of my projection for the number of installs for the, you know, for the six months essentially happened in the first six days. Amazing. And what I love and I really want to make sure everybody's picking up on is all of this, quote unquote, luck attributed to being proactive. Like it wasn't actually... Uh, luck it was you were incredibly proactive and mindful about what you were trying to achieve and then luck happened along the way or good fortune but without being proactive to move it in that direction it wouldn't have happened at all no question yeah every step of the way candidly has been a like nobody's gonna do it for you right it's all a lot of work yeah so as we've grown every step every piece of this has been like wow th like there's a lot of work to even test new things right. right you sort of have to just keep pushing yourself to try to test to look for answers right um and my my partner jeff and i we're sort of like you know we're a fantastic team so he you know now he's an 
unbelievable operator. And so you look at the business today and he really knows how to scale and build the processes to allow us to actually handle the volume that we currently have. And I get to focus on the the customer side, right? The customer experience, the marketing, right. the product, what are the new things we're going to offer? And so it's a, it's a nice compliment. And Jeff is your cousin. Correct. When did Jeff enter the picture? So Jeff was one of those first people I called uh, oh, raising some friends and family money. Did he invest? He, so he did invest. So Jeff is, had been a successful entrepreneur, had started and sold two previous companies, was leaving uh or sort of getting ready to leave the company that he had sold his company to. Right, right. Um, and so he said, let me be an advisor to the company. I'll throw a little bit of money in and I'll be an advisor. And so as I was building it, he was sort of right there alongside me. Amazing. And then uh, we launched and he's like, you know what, I'm going to jump in and do this with you. Um, we ended up raising some more money. We got uh, involved with Amplify. And, Amplify uh, is an accelerator in LA. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so Amplify was our was our first investor, and uh, and Jeff and I sort of were, you know, we were off trying to build this thing. So, walk me through the f- first phase pre video, pre ten million view video. Yeah. What was what was the company like then? So, let's like talk about like the five years, basically. So, like in the years post-launch, yeah. right, of, okay, of a lot of users, but no revenue. That's fine for, like, the first year. And then you're like, okay, we may have a problem here. We're not, we have no path to generating money here. And, and you've been fundraising, like, mildly throughout. We had, raised, also- we had raised about a million dollars pretty quickly. Okay. And uh, and that sort of got us through, like, that first 12 to 24 months. We yeah. were we, being pretty frugal, candidly, right? right? As we're growing this thing and trying to figure out where's our space, right. um, we then go through three years of, we'll call it like the desert, yeah. where um, <laughs> it was, okay, we're just like not selling the number of books we need to be selling. We're not selling other products. What are we doing? We have, yeah. we're holding all these people's memories, right? That yeah. was the other thing that was like a really big deal for me. Um, we had millions and millions of people's, you know, kids' artwork stored. Right, and so I felt bad throwing. Just you mean like, on your servers correct, or in the on, boxes? No, in on the servers, yeah, right? Yeah. And so, do we just shut this thing down, and people are going to lose all of their <gasps> stuff? So Jeff and I sort of looked at each other, like we don't think that we can just shut this thing down. It's not that easy. There's sort of like a moral yeah. responsibility to figure out how to keep this thing going, right? And we also candidly were like, we're both like reasonably bright guys who have had successful outcomes in the past, yeah why are we not figuring this out? Like there must be a way to figure this out. We just haven't gotten there yet. And so we sort of felt like, hey, you know what? The problem is not the business. The problem is that we haven't figured it out yet. It's hard to grow a company, but it really is that simple to take action. There is an answer. And if we can just give ourselves enough runway to get there. So it got super lean. No, no paychecks. You know, we're like, we're paying just the, the people that we need to barely keep this thing afloat. And moving the moving the ball down the road, trying to figure out and testing new things and seeing like where's the pain point that's gonna generate real revenue. Wow. So to so to answer your question, sort of the, that first step of that was let's just see if us doing it for people is helpful, right? And mm-hmm. so we put up a page on our website saying, Don't want to photograph your own artwork, send it to us. Buy a package, we'll right. email you a mailing label, you stick it on any box of artwork you have and send us a box. And then, and you saw that there was some traction there. Correct. Yes. And then that led to creating the video. Correct. So 
that first year of testing the concept of us sent doing people's artwork led to what if we productize this and make it even easier? So what if you don't have a box at your house? I know that seems crazy. No, it doesn't seem crazy. It's true. Not everybody has a box no, sitting there. Completely. Right. Yeah. So what if we send you this big archive box? Yeah. Put it right in your face. So you're like, oh, all I have to do is literally take this stack of stuff that's in my drawer or on the fridge yeah. or... And it has all the postage already on it. Everything is there, like all the instructions, yeah. how to organize, a mailing label to turn to send it back to us. Yeah. Everything's super easy. Yeah. So we launched the box and all of a sudden, oh, like that took another big stair step yeah. up from where we were the previous year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's so interesting, though, is that you had to change the dynamics of your entire company to go from like something that was a a digital archive to now like you're physically, you have the material of the box, you have to deal with the shipping components, um, even like the labeling components, um, the labor, labor, a lot of labor, receiving the physically taking pictures. That's a whole other, I mean, I'm sure you guys thought about all these extra layers that you're about to build in your company. Um, how, did you um, holistically make that decision to want to take move from mostly digital to a warehouse? A logistics company? Yeah. Which is what we are. Yeah. Yeah. So that has definitely been an interesting uh, challenge, right? So we literally went from what I felt was a, what I hoped was a very scalable tech company. Right. To a very labor intensive yeah. logistics company. Yeah. And now... We're actually sort of looking at the company and saying, "Okay, we need to go back to the tech, right?" So right. as we as as we sort of had this explosive growth, it was throw hands at the problem, right? Yeah. Let's figure out how many people do we need. Like, let's just process people's orders, right? And do whatever it takes and get as many photographers and editors and book builders and everything that we need, right? In place, right? Now it's like, okay, let's look at the business and figure out how do we build technology to create efficiencies and to improve profitability. Right, right. So, so great. What has been, what has been your favorite part about your entrepreneurial journey? And then what has been your least favorite? So I think my favorite part would likely be getting to work with my partner, Jeff. Um, it's That's been, nice answer. it's been incredible. Like just be, having somebody that you click so well with where your skills complement each other right, so well right. and you can sort of grow together and, yeah. and lean on each other. Yeah. That relationship has been super important. The least favorite part, um, you know, it's hard for in the position I sit in today where I feel like we've been super lucky to have, gone through this incredible growth. Yeah. It was sort of all worth it, right? Um, I, uh, I'd have a hard time saying like, oh yeah, like that was, that was miserable to me. It was all part of the journey. And mm-hmm. so I looked, I look back today and say, you know what, this was, this is what this needed, right? We needed to go through all these difficult times when I was in the middle of it, right? If you'd have asked me like two years ago when we were making no money and hadn't made any money for years and I was depleting my, retirement accounts and trying to figure out how to keep this company up and running. Yeah. That was, those were some pretty uh, difficult times. It's so, I feel, I don't just feel, I also know uh, from personal experience, um, the journey, the entrepreneurial journey is so not an HBO show. (laughs) 
you know, it's just, it's not glamorous. It's hard. And we all experience this, you know, um, desert, this desert phase of our company. And then hopefully we've, we re-figure out how to find it out. And then we enter into a new set of challenges and we're constantly just trying to like, it's like a video game, constantly just trying to beat the levels, <laughs> you that, know? That's a good analogy. Yes. And, um, I just, I love your story. I find it really inspiring, especially that you hung in there and a lot attributed to your moral code when it, it really wasn't easy to get to the kind of sweet spot that you're in now. And I'm sure like the rest of us, you'll, you know, you'll enter into your next series of how do we overcome this? But uh, it's very, very, very exciting. Um, what's one thing the LA tech community could do to support you in accelerating forward? Oh, I appreciate that. You know, Archive is is very much a a family oriented business, right? And so, um, actually, here's a sort of a fun story for you. So, when we um, <clears throat> when we first created the company, started offering the box service. The <clears throat> office was located right across the street from uh, from a school, right? And so, we hired one of the moms from the school who would drop her kids off at school and then come across the street and work in the office and photograph the kids artwork and then when we started to grow she's oh i have a friend i'll bring my friend and then she brought another friend and so um all the initial employees were all these moms Moms. from the school across the street i love this when the company really started to take off and we needed to hire a ton of people and grow really fast and we needed managers. We you went decided, to the PTA. <laughs> we decided to basically just promote all of these moms who had been working at the company to run the different divisions of the company. So if you look at sort of the seven most senior people in the company after Jeff and I, it's all of these moms oh. who um, who we sort of make, you know, have made a, a, a job work for them to fit within their lives. We're super family oriented. Yeah. And, um, and so we're always looking for for great people. Um, I think the culture for me is, is super important. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I had this vision of what I wanted to build and, and Jeff and I are very much aligned in this, that it wasn't the financial success is of course an important piece of, of growing a business, but building the type of company that had the culture and the lifestyle that we wanted. Yeah was equally important right and so it's like finding those people who um who are looking for that that level of balance and and you know can sort of help promote this success is, yeah. is important wait so how could we support you in accelerating forward so you can tell your friends yeah for sure tell anyone who's got kids yeah. to buy their archive boxes can you spell it for everyone it is uh, a-r-t-k-i-v-e box b-o-x.com so archivebox.com and uh, yeah, tell everyone you know. And you literally get a box, an empty box sent to you. And then you could put all your kids' artwork inside the box. And then it's all set with the, with the mailing label and everything. And just drop it off. Is it UPS or? It's UPS, yeah. Okay, UPS. Yep. I guess that. <laughs> you drop it off at UPS and that's it. And then you get this beautiful, beautiful, you, sh- you really need to check out the video, beautiful book on the website, book made of all your kids' artwork that you'll have forever. Or a custom frame mosaic print. So we do these oh, wow. beautiful 
prints to put on your wall or books. Um, and the the neat thing is we're seeing people are not even just doing kids' art anymore. Yeah. So now people are sending all sorts of memorabilia. So whether that's cards or letters or old ticket stubs or you know pieces nice. of memorabilia from yes. your travels, right? So you have stuff sitting in boxes physical memorabilia that you actually want to do something with. Totally. Let me just tell you how personal this is even to me. I'm not a mom, but I'm going through a a phase right now, as you guys know, going through the studio in going through changing studios. I actually unloaded all my storage rooms. I'm like, just let's just do it all. Right. And in one of my storage rooms, I have several boxes of my artwork from when I was a little kid and it was like kind of like crumbled now. I mean, it's just sitting in boxes for years. And to have even as a child growing up, like um, if I were to have a book and so I could totally like see what I made as a little kid rather than have these kind of like dusty cobweb You're never going to look through those boxes, right? That's right. like a once every but 10 it's not, years. But it's thing. not just the mom. It's me yeah. as an adult now yeah. wanting, having a cool book of what I did when I was, yeah, Absolutely. I think it's so cool. And I love that you say you could even do it. I used to collect movie stubs with my dad and I don't even know where they all are now. And it would have been great to have a book of all the movies my dad and I saw together. Yeah. Yeah. So- we just moved um, last year. We moved my mom out of the house that we had been living in for 40 years. Oh, wow. And so literally like every piece of memorabilia from like my entire childhood <clears throat> was getting packed up. Yeah. And so I archived everything. Yeah. Right? Archive. I love it. Thank you so much. Um, One last question. Who's an LA tech company or talent you've come across lately who's really impressed you? Great question. I actually have one more after that. I lied. So one more. Um, so <clears throat> there's a company called Ready, Set, Food, I believe. Ooh, what do they do? And they are trying to solve the problem of childhood food allergies, hmm. which I think is just like fascinating because as, as a parent with kids and fortunately they don't have food allergies, but yeah. I can totally appreciate how big of a deal that is. Yeah. Where are they based? They are, uh, they're here. I believe they're in, uh, I think their office is in Encino actually. Encino. Cool. Ready, set, food. Okay, we'll include it in the show notes so you guys can check it out. And one last question. What has been, I know you mentioned Amplify earlier, and maybe you want to talk more about Amplify. What has been an LA Tech resource or event that you're like, oh, this has been great. You should really check it out. This is totally worth my time. We've gotten so much value out of our relationship with Amplify. Um, we were from Fund One, so it's been a long, oh, wow. it's been a long time. Tell we us one, all about Amplify. We were one of the first companies. So Amplify, you know, when we were there, it was a fund. They promote and uh, support LA startup companies. I believe they're on Fund Four or Five now. I don't even know. Um, but it's a great it's a great place where they have in, an incredible network of investors and other entrepreneurs and mentors who can really help open up doors. And so um, we've gotten a lot of value out of those relationships, and their support from the very beginning has been incredible. For people interested in pursuing Amplify, what are the steps to do? That do you just go to their website and sign up for things, or how does that work? Yeah, I, I believe so. It's it's been a it's been a little bit since I've gone through that process, um, but I believe you can just go to their website and uh, and get in touch with them 
set up a meeting or you know send in your uh, send in your pitch deck and hopefully you get a meeting and get considered for uh, for an investment from them. Very cool. And I think I'll share one on this particular episode too. Snapchat has an incubator, a new incubator. I think they're in their either second or third cohort um, called Yellow. I don't know if you're familiar. And um, I think they're focused on creative companies uh, looking to stimulate community through um, digital content. And so if you're looking to fundraise and you really want to have a good supportive group behind you and you're at your seed stage, check out Yellow. Check out Amplify. There's so many great... Check out We Are LA Tech. Check out We Are LA Tech. Yes. But we don't give you money. We don't fundraise. But we do provide you with amazing experiences and this podcast um really cool offline activities we're doing a drag queen brunch tomorrow i love that (laughs) Uh, i don't know that i'll be there but i love that (laughs) i try to find the most strange unique life experiences you wouldn't necessarily do on your own so (laughs) fun yeah um but yeah thank you so much jed for hanging out with the we are Tech podcast is there anything else you wanted to share before we wrap up like where can people connect with you further uh yeah absolutely i love talking to people about our business and even just customers i I'm like front lines often talking to, to our customers. So my email address is uh, jed, J-E-D-D, at archivebox.com. You're welcome to email me anytime uh, or follow us at archivebox, at archivebox on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Perfect. Thank you, thank you, thank you Thanks, so much. Great. for so fun. Thank you for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech podcast. If you want to connect with more incredible people in LA Tech, remember to go to the We Are LA Tech Facebook group. You could get there just by going to wearelatech.com slash community. That's wearelatech.com slash community. Be sure to say hello on social at We Are LA Tech on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. See you guys. I'm Jed Gold, CEO and co-founder of Archive, the service that solves the problem for parents everywhere of what to do with all the artwork their kids create. We are based in Van Nuys and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. Join thousands of people in L.A. Tech on our We Are L.A. Tech Facebook group where you can discover events, job opportunities, and even housing. Go to wearelatech.com slash community. We'll take you straight there. That's wearelatech.com slash community. We're so proud of what we've created with the We Are LA Tech podcast. To be a part of our journey with us, if you'd like to donate, go to wearelatech.fm. That's wearelatech.fm, and you can find our donation link at the top right of the page. Thank you so much for supporting us in our journey and helping fuel us moving forward for each and every episode. The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora. With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Adam Carroll. Show notes by Carl Marty. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.